One of the most common aspects of summer in Minnesota, besides mosquitoes, are the signs of highway construction, or the men at work, people at work, uh, just a constant reminder that uh, all winter long, people have been waiting to get projects done. Uh, this probably happens to you too, but right now I received a letter at my house. Uh, in fact, we received one letter at the church saying they're going to pave Bardwell Drive out here, and uh, also they sent us a bill with that, which was not as nice, but, uh, but that's coming up. Also, uh, because I live out on Division Street, they sent me a note saying, we're going to be creating three roundabouts on your, tri- on your path, good luck. Basically, that's what it said, good luck. I mean, I can summarize the whole letter. And you probably won't be able to drive there all summer long. So find alternate routes. So if you see me in a four-wheeler flying across the, you know, a field somewhere, that's my alternate route to get here. But, you know, it's a constant thing that we see. Uh, We constantly see this work going on. Even when we're playing, I spent, I had my boat out yesterday. I had more time spent working on my boat so I could play. Right? You work you go camping, you, uh, you do work. You do things that, uh, I hear people that have cabins up here. I've talked to quite a few people that have cabins. What's the first thing they do? They have to work on their cabin or fix their cabin or mow the lawn or things like that so that they can relax. So summer is a time when people are at work, people are moving. Uh, you think about uh, Memorial Day weekend. This is a week that weekend a lot of people are trying to get work, work done. And so I just want to, this is kind of that season for that. And people are, we need to understand that God is constantly at work. And that's what I want to talk to you today about, is God is at work. And at all times in his kingdom, the kingdom of God has come. Jesus declared that in Mark. Jesus declared that and said, the kingdom of God has come. And Jesus spends so much time in the Gospels, especially the Gospel of Mark here, talking about the kingdom of God. He's talking about this is what the kingdom of God is like. This is what it's like. That lets us know that it's not the way we think it should be. If you ever tried to explain something to somebody and you know that they're confused, the look in their eyes, they're thinking of something completely different, okay? And you're like, no, not that, this. No, 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 you're thinking of this. The word means, okay, think over here. And so you're trying to get that through. Jesus was constantly doing it. The kingdom of God is at hand. Everybody starts to grab their swords and say, yes, the kingdom of... No, not that. And then he would say, the kingdom of God is at hand. They get the sword. No. This is a constant thing, and he was constantly talking throughout the Bible. The kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is at hand. And he would say, this is what the kingdom of God is like. And the reason he has to keep doing that is because it's different than the way everybody thought it was going to be. Jesus had this radical thing, Wright puts it this way, he managed both to claim that he was fulfilling the old prophecies, the old hopes of Israel, and to do it in such a way that radically subverted them. The kingdom of God is here, he seemed to be saying, but it's not what, it, what you thought it was going to be. In other words, it's here, this is the greatest thing that can happen, but it's not the way you thought it was going to be. It's not the way you are, but it, here's the thing, it's better than you thought it was going to be. But sometimes we're disappointed when we don't get exactly what we want, but we receive something better. When you're a small child, and I don't know if anybody gives savings bonds anymore. Does anybody ever give those? Anybody remember those? You would give a kid, and in a few years it would be worth $100. Well, when you're a kid, you're like, 
well, this is dumb. There's no toy. There's no, there's no fun here, okay? But it's better because in a few years it was $100 and you got to buy something better. But when you're a kid, you're like, oh, this is disappointing. Remember the first time you got clothes as a kid? <laughs> disappointing. And then, uh, but now if somebody bought you a Tonka truck, you'd be disappointed. <laughs> I mean, think about it. It's better. It's better than, maybe some of you would be like, no, my store doesn't have a Tonka truck. Those were awesome. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, it's this constant thing that it's better what God is doing. And you know what we need to do? God is at work, but we need to understand this factor, that he is going to challenge every tradition that the people of Israel had, and we must be willing to say, let him challenge us in all of our traditions. We, do we ever take scripture and force it into our ways, force it into what we think it should be, instead of saying, God, however you want it to be. It's different than I wanted it, but it's better because it's from you. So let's not try to make the kingdom of God like we want it to. A lot of times we as American Christians want to say, well, we're the kingdom of God because we have these massive projects we have going on. We spend millions of dollars on them. This is what the kingdom of God's like. And if Jesus says, no, that's not what it is, we have to say, you know what, that doesn't fit America. It doesn't matter. We're doing it God's way. So God is at work. Let's look at Mark 4. And we're just going to go through a series of parables that Mark put together. And we're going to see how the kingdom of God is at work. And so we're going to go through the parables to start with. And at the end, I'm going to have three points that are going to come out of this that we can kind of hang our hat on. So, but we're going to go through the meanings of the parable first. So if you start in Mark chapter 4, starting with verse 21. And he said to them, Is a lamp brought to be put under a basket? Or under a bed and not on a stand. For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Now here's what Jesus starts out with this parable. He says, God is not, does not reveal himself in the kingdom of God the way we want. But his goal is not to keep the truth hidden. So in other words, he's doing it in such a way that it may look hidden to you because you're not seeing it the way you want to. You're looking the wrong direction. You're looking and saying, I'm waiting for God to act over there. And God says, I'm actually over here. Turn around. All right? And he says that, and it's secret so that it'll be brought to light. It is hidden so that it'll become manifest. You say, well, that doesn't make any sense. Exactly. The kingdom of God does not follow our understanding. The kingdom of God, he's trying to say, but it's a lamp, he says, a lamp is never meant to stay hidden, it's, it's meant to stay exposed. So God is going to use different ways to bring life to us. Um, God intends to make it happen and that we will see the right of way. But what's going to happen, and this is especially what's happening right now, is Jesus is going to die and rise from the dead. He's saying, you're not going to get that. In fact, they never got that. And even when he rose from the dead, they still struggled with it. They said, why do you have to die? That doesn't make any sense. The way to take power is to be strong. What you should have done when Pilate said, who do you think you are? You should have said, I'm the son of God. Who do you think you are? When the priest said, oh, look at us. We're religious authorities. Jesus just said, I wrote the scriptures that you, are think, that you think you're good at. That's the way of the world, right? Showing how big and tough we are. What did Jesus? He humbly 
took the punishment up in the cross and rose from the dead. It's not the way you're going to see it, but here's the key words again. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. He's going to say this over and over again. In other words, if you are willing, God will reveal to you what you need to see. Going on to verse 24, and he said to them, pay attention to what you hear with the measure you use. It will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For the one who has more will be given, and the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Have you ever heard anybody tell you, you reap what you sow? You've heard that before, right? Is it usually used in a negative sense? In other words, as a teacher, th this is the last week of school. I know people are crushed, both teachers and students. Last week of high school here in Bemidji. Uh, for our seniors, they're already done, but um, there are going to be some tests this week. And if you took the month of May off, and decided that you wanted to be outside instead of being at school, you're going to reap what you sow this week. You're going to look at tests and say, I have no idea what's going on. All right? But if you showed up to class every day, and here's a novel idea, you paid attention every day, okay? And you actually asked questions and read the textbook when they told you to read it. You know what's going to happen when you take the test? You're going to reap what you sow. Jesus is not, sometimes we've always used it, I, I've always heard that statement used. You're going to reap what you sow, and here he says, pay attention, what you, with the measure you use, it'll be measured to you. In other words, whatever you use to measure, whatever effort you put in, that's what you're going to get out of it. But there's a positive and a negative that's possibility here. Those who go after God, those who want to find God, will find him, and they will prosper, he says. And those who don't want to find God will move further and further away from God. Your heart and your attitude makes a huge difference here. Whoever acquires some understanding and wants more will receive more. And whoever has no interest will, will become more and more confused. And so he's just simply using this simple term that was used in commerce at this time to say it's going to happen the way it does in life. And then he moves on to another parable. And he said the kingdom of God... Is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts it in the sickle, because the harvest has come. Now, we have schools. I have friends that have gone to uh, the University of Minnesota, University of Minnesota, Crookston, other schools, uh, and they have studied how to be farmers. They have studied crop production. They have studied to the art of this. I know friends that have, that with their tractors now, their GPS tractors, where those GPS tractors are actually, they're sitting in the cab, and the cab is being run by a GPS system to make sure they're not missing any of the grain or anything like that. But I will tell you this, as much as this is true here, it is true today, no farmer can make a seed grow. No farmer can make that seed grow. He can do its best to give it the best shot. She could make it do a lot of other things. She can put the right fertilizer and things like that. But that seed in itself has the power to grow on its own. And what Jesus is trying to say to the farmer is, at this time, you put a seed in the ground. Why? Because seeds go in the ground and they grow. Why? Because that's what seeds do. 
In themselves, they have the power to grow. And in itself, the kingdom of God has the power to grow. In itself, Jesus' words have power to grow. The words of God, the kingdom of God, the, the word of Scripture, it has power on itself to do things that we're not capable of doing ourselves. And so the confidence here that the farmer has, it shows his confidence. His confidence is he takes a seed. And you know what most seed is? He could eat his seed, right? Okay, when you plant, let's talk about potatoes. You want to plant potatoes. You plant a perfectly good potato. Well, something you could eat. I'm not saying you could eat that potato. But why do you put it in the ground? Because you have confidence that more potatoes will come out of it. And you say, why is that? Because potatoes have that capability in themselves. They just do. Why? And you say, I don't understand it. Nobody completely understands it. And he's going to go even further with this. He is, has confidence that whatever God put in place is going to go. He's, he's talking about the fact that what we don't have to worry about appearance. We don't have to worry about that whether the Word of God is going to work or not. Our job is to scatter the seed. Just like we talked about the parable last time, it is our job to scatter seed everywhere. It's up to God to make it grow. I planted, you know, Paul talk, uh, you know, the planting, watering, but Paul is very clear. He says, God makes it grow. And farmers still follow that principle today. They can do whatever they want to the seed to make it go better, but they still can't make it grow. They can't create life. We can't create life. We can't create this. We don't know the seed, what's in there is amazing. Sciences are still studying it, and they love to study it. And there's a hiddenness of this. What happens under the ground? Well, how do you see what's under the ground? At this time, they would have had no idea. They put a seed down there like, I wonder what's going on down there. I mean, can you, I mean you don't know what's going on. Is it, is it budding? Is it rotting? Is it doing something? Every day. But what does the farmer do? He goes to bed knowing that something's happening under there. Can he see it? No. And this is going to be a principle we're going to talk about later. He can't see what's going on, but something's happening. And all that growth that takes place under the ground eventually rises up, makes something that's worth harvesting, but he didn't see what happened. He didn't see the fact that, you know, the seed was doing this and the water was getting to it and you know, animals were trying to get to it and all kinds of things. He didn't see any of that. He just knows that he has confidence it's going to grow. But the good news is, with the kingdom of God, eventually everyone will see. And he goes further with this parable, and he talks about the fact that the, in verse 30, he kind of goes into another parable when he says, what can we compare with the kingdom of God? Or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of a mustard seed, which, when sown on the ground, is the smallest of all the seeds on the earth. Yet when, so when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. I believe this is God's sense of humor. God has a sense of humor. He does. I mean, there's Jesus laughed. Jesus had a sense of humor. There's some funny, I mean, there's some, he has a very dry wit to him, Jesus. But we know that he says, when you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. Um, but he'll, but something like this, he'll say, hey, we're going to create, 
we're going to create world, right? Let's create seeds. And then let's take the world's smallest seed and let's make that grow really big. And then we'll take a big seed and make that grow small. And that'll, that'll be fun. Okay? Now, that is not in the Bible anywhere, okay? Just so you know, don't, don't go up and say, well, Pastor John said it. it's got to be in there. No. But you think about it. It's the, world, it's the tiniest seed and Jesus is using it right here. And he's saying, but it grows up bigger than everything that's growing in your garden. Why does that make any sense? In fact, how many of you guys plant something in your garden and have birds land on it and make nests in it? Well, that would be, you think of trees and things like that. In fact, in the other Gospels, it talks about this being a tree. But it makes huge branches. And he's saying the transformation that happens with that is the fact that you don't understand how that little tiny seed has the DNA in it to grow to that big. How is that possible? Because God makes it possible. How does that tiny seed become a 10-foot shrub? In fact, I, I looked this up. Our people are still looking at it, trying to figure that out. There are people still studying it. They're still doing dissertations on it and saying, this doesn't make any sense. You shouldn't take a little tiny seed and make something really big. But God created it that way to do that thing. And what God will accomplish through Christ is equivalent, he's saying. You don't understand. In your mind, big seed equals big plant. Little seed equals little plant. Isn't that kind of the, that's our understanding. And he says, no, God's way is, I do the way God wants to do it. We look at the fact that those who are successful are those who take power. They just take power from other people, right? God's way is, I'm going to let myself come to earth and die and suffer and rise again from the dead and conquer death that way. That's the, that's the complexity of the little seed compared to the big seed. The kingdom of God is also going to be overlooked because of that. No one's going to look at that little seed and go, man, I want to have the biggest possible crops I can have. Yeah, I'll take the really tiny seeds. That's not the way we think. Remember, his own family came to take him away because they thought he was insane. The religious leaders thought he was insane. Everybody kind of thought he was crazy at times. But he's saying the kingdom of God is not like you think it is. It takes spiritual discernment to really see it. And then he goes on to verse 33 and 34. It says, with many such parables, he spoke the words to them, Mark says, as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples he explained everything. He talks about the fact that he spoke in parables. We talked about this before. Jesus spoke in parables because to trying to describe something like the kingdom of God requires beyond a simple just, here are four different points that show what it is. It's not a scientific thing. It's, it's a concept. It's different than anything we've ever had. And Jesus says you're going to have to understand that the parables are going to help you understand this better. But then he says, as they were able to hear it, and he concludes with, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. And remember who that group of disciples was? Anybody who wanted to find out. That gives us hope right there. God wants to explain things to you. God wants to give you what you can handle. Okay? Don't, don't take that too far because you'd say, I want you to explain everything in my life. God's like, no, you really don't. You can't handle it. You'll, you'll get what you need. 
But God is here to make sense of our lives. God is here to give us hope. God is here to help us. And when we come to him, he will reveal more and more to us. Remember it says what measure we use, what measure we will receive. If you want a lot from God, give a lot to God and go towards him. You want to find out what he has to say in your life? How much time are you spending looking, looking for him or seeking after him? It takes spiritual discernment coming from God to really understand our lives and really understand what God is doing. So let's look at this. Three points. And for every good pastor, you have to have three points, so I'm very happy about this. Um, God's work will be revealed. All right, we will look at this world right now, and you say to yourself, it appears at times that the kingdom of God is losing. It appears at times that the disciples, many times, they felt they were losing. They felt that things were going poorly for them. They're, they're not getting what they need to have. And Jesus dies on the cross. We're done. Even though he told them over and over again, it's going to be okay. It is hidden to be revealed in the right way. Those who have ears, let him hear. He's, he allowed, after Jesus' death and resurrection, you know what happened? His own mother, instead of saying at the cross, when she saw Jesus on the cross, she understood. His own mother, we just saw, was before, in the last sermon I did, was talking about earlier in chapter 4 here, was coming to take him away because, Jesus, this is your mother, you're out of your mind. Just for the record, that's what she was saying. And his brothers, Jesus, you're out of your mind. After the death and resurrection, James became his brother, becomes the leader of the church. So after his death and resurrection, things start to come together for some of the people. Even the Pharisees, some of the Pharisees and some of the religious leaders started to believe. Not all of them. But in fact, most people didn't believe. And you know what? It says one day every knee shall bow before Jesus. Everyone will go, ah, I get it. But for now, there's still so many people that say, I'd rather have my way. I'd rather have my way. Is it Frank Sinatra? I'll do it my way. Ah, that's a great song, isn't it? I don't want anybody else's way. I'll do it my way. Because when I do it my way, everything goes perfect in... Wait a second, that doesn't work. But it sounds so good, doesn't it? It was like the, the Garden of Eden was that way. The Garden of Eden was, you can stay in the Garden of Eden and never suffer, never die, have everything wonderful, or you can choose to go it on your own. And we chose to go it on our own. I miss the Garden of Eden. I, know, I mean, I'm just saying, I think we blew it there as a race. We, we should have stuck with the Garden of Eden. That would have been a better move. But no, we wanted to do it our way. And that's what's still happening today. Even though God has revealed himself, God continues to reveal himself, there are still people that will not listen and will not believe. But he will reveal himself to those who seek. God is not hiding on purpose. God's not going, oops, I moved, oop, moved. You know, he's like, peekaboo, oh, I'm over here. He's not doing, you know, tricks like that. That's not the way God is. But we must understand this. When we seek after God, that God's work will not always fit our expectations. We talked about the mustard seed. But there's something you need to understand about the mustard seed. There might be people that are disappointed. I mean, it's a mustard seed. Yes, it's 10 feet tall, but I wanted a tree. I wanted one of those big redwoods to grow. 
And the kingdom of God, if it wanted to be really good, would make a big redwood, not just a mustard seed. And I, I, I read it in a commentary. It said, after all, it's just a shrub. And Jesus says, okay, great. Yeah, I, he, I can just hear the people saying, he's saying, you don't get it the way you want to. You get it the way God wants it, which is better for you and better for everything. The kingdom of God came with the coming of Jesus, but most of them did not see it. They were looking in the wrong places. When they saw Jesus, they said, when are you going to rise up and overthrow the Roman government? That's all they saw. In fact, we talked about the disciples all the way until Jesus descended up into heaven. We're still asking, is this it? Is this the time? They couldn't get over that concept. The mustard seed is about God's reign. God is at work in ways we do not understand, and he's not always going to make the big headlines in this life. You know that Jesus is referred to in very few historical documents? He is talked about, and they spell his name wrong most of the time. I mean, that's kind of insulting. They call him Christus. Okay? This Christus guy, it's in a Roman document, and they say he's, he's out there, some Christus guy. And so they can't even get his name right. I and mean, he's the son of God. Doesn't he have a PR person? Isn't there an angel that could have taken care of that? Excuse me, sir, are you writing down about Jesus? His name is Christ, not Christus. Get it right. And that would be Jesus, J-E-S-U-S. Please use it correctly. And call our office if you need anything else. No, Jesus was not a big star. But you know what? The kingdom of God, after Jesus, what has been accomplished in the lives of millions and millions of believers, mustard seed, huge growth. Jesus did not. There's been millions of documents that talk about what the kingdom of God has accomplished, what God has accomplished on this earth. So it shows that it's going to be bigger than you think. Let Jesus do it his way, and people's lives are going to be transformed. I mean, the concept in these disciples' minds, and sometimes I try to put myself in their understanding. They're thinking to themselves, basically they're thinking about Israel is all they can really grasp. If they, ha- they have no concept in their mind, and they couldn't have, that people in northern Minnesota right now are, are celebrating Jesus Christ. No concept in their mind. The kingdom of God is greater than they could ever imagine. They didn't know people existed here. They didn't know there was a continent here. Okay, they didn't know all of this stuff. But kingdom of God is bigger than anything we can ever have. There's an illustration that Paul uses in Philippians 1, 12 through 14. Well, it's a story he talks about. He says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. What has happened to Paul? Something that none of us really want to happen? He's in jail. Actually, prison. This is not one of our Beltrami County where people are treating you pretty nice. This is a Roman prison. Probably not good at all. Probably in chains. And so that has become known. He says, so what happens since he's been in prison? He says, good news. So that it has become known that throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. In other words, he says, I'm in prison. I get to preach about Jesus. And the imperial guard and everybody here get to hear about Jesus. So yay prison, Paul says. What? I always pray whenever I go visit somebody in the hospital, Lord, you bring us to all kinds of places. Help us to be a witness where we stand right now. If you're in the hospital, be a witness to those who are around you. Do you want to be in the hospital? No. 
Okay, I always tell my doctor, my auto mechanic, I'd rather just wave to you on the street. Okay, my auto mechanic, John, haven't seen you for a while, and that is good news. I tell him that all the time. No, just happy to see you. Don't want to come. Cost me too much money. All right, your doctor, good to see you. Nothing's hurting. Good to see you. Backing away now. Don't want to be at the hospital, but when you're there, use it. Use it for the opportunity. And then he says, and most of the brothers, he says, not only that, most of the brothers have become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment and are much more bold to speak the word without fear. In other words, maybe Paul, being there all the time, made them think, well, we don't have to do anything. Here's Paul. God says, how about without Paul? And he says, now I'm in prison. I get to preach to the imperial guard who would never have listened to me. And all the people that I was around are now preaching with more boldness than they ever have preached before. The kingdom of God works in strange ways. You lose your job, you have a new opportunity to preach to people at a different job. You say, but I don't want to lose my job. Paul didn't want to lose his his freedom. Okay? Things happen in this world, but God says use them for opportunities. The kingdom of God is going to work through all of these things. Think about all the teachings of the Bible that don't seem to necessarily click with us. How do you gain your life? How do you gain the best life? You give up your life. Jesus did it, so we're supposed to. How do you gain power and be the powerful one? You humble yourself and make yourself a servant. How, how do you handle it when somebody insults you? Somebody hits you? You know what you do? You hit them right back. No, that's not what the Bible says. That's not what the Bible says. It says turn the other cheek. Confuse them. What do you do when somebody's after you? When somebody does something mean to you? You seek vengeance, right? You go after them. No way. No, do not seek vengeance. The Bible says vengeance is mine, says the Lord. How about, how about the weak? How about the, the humble? They're glorified. How about when, Paul says my, when God says to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. You're not going to be taken out of every struggle in this world. Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean bad things aren't going to happen to you. It means that God's going to carry you through every bad thing in your life. Guaranteed. But you're not, it's different. Now this next, I wanted to go and find a philosopher that could really help us understand this next point, that we must really change what we have learned from this world. So if they put the next slide up, this great philosopher that I found, he says, you must unlearn what you have learned. Okay? And that's just great. I have, a, I have a Bible college professor, a friend of mine that uses this all the time. He says every time the guys come in the preaching class, the first thing he, asks, he says to them is you must unlearn what you have learned. In other words, all the bad habits you learned from watching your pastor and all that, we're going to get rid of those now. All right? And it's so true with us right now. Because we've learned that this is the way. And we think just because our culture has made us this way, that that's the right way. We say, this is the rule on the playground. You get hit, you hit back. The Bible says, no, you don't hit back. You don't take vengeance. It says that you should not humble yourself. You should be proud of yourself. You should be a big talker. You should be like most of our politicians who talk about themselves constantly. The Bible says that's not the way you're supposed to be. So it's different. We have to unlearn everything that we have learned. And the world is not going to understand it. Okay? The world is only, not going to be able to see under the ground when the seed has been planted. 
like those who don't understand the kingdom of God. In fact, the early church went around preaching about Jesus, and they were accused of being atheists. And there was some graffiti that was written right here. And uh, this is a graffiti that was put up that they found in an old Roman uh, place. It was sketched on the wall. And this is making fun of Christians. It says, Alex Manius worships his God. And they put a donkey's head on somebody on a cross and making fun of Christians. So you say, well, I, they don't understand what it's like to be made fun of. They went around preaching the word of God and they were made fun of from the very beginning. Oh, worshiping somebody on a cross? That's stupid. Let's just put a donkey head on it. We'll make them look stupid. Because the kingdom of God is never going to come out of somebody on a cross. Because you don't understand, in those days, to be on a cross was to be made fun of. People went to the cross to watch people on the cross so they could mock them. Because they were the worst of the worst. And Jesus took the worst punishment and this confused people. But he did it for us. God's purpose is revealed, though, by what he does. Last point is God's work is happening even when we cannot see it. We live in an in-between time. We don't see everything that's happening. We don't see what God's word is doing right now. We don't see what the seed is doing under the ground. Um, The seed has been sown, but it is not complete. God is working through us even if we do not see results. I am so happy as a pastor, as a person, as a Christian that I've never saved anybody. Because we're in trouble if God depends on me and my great talents and great wisdom to save people. It is up to God to save people. It is up to us to spread the word of God to people to be saved. That should be one of the most encouraging things you ever hear. It's up to you to tell them about Jesus. You say, but what if they don't listen? What if they make fun of me? What if they make graffiti on the wall about me? All happened before. A lot of people that wrote the graffiti are the same people that now became Christians. Lots of examples of this. So these parables should give us confidence to overcome despair. We want gratification. I heard this said by somebody. We think a microwave takes too long. Okay, that is our culture. Oh my goodness, two minutes in the microwave. What are you, crazy? I don't have that kind of time. So we want instant gratification. But the Bible says we have to wait for things to grow. And we want, we, God is at work always, even if we can't see it. There are so many missionaries. If you read their journals, and I didn't bring many of them today, I, I didn't want to go through them all, but they talk about their utter despair. They'd be in an area and they'd be witnessing for Christ and no one would accept them. No one would accept them. And finally, there was a breakthrough. For some of them, they never even got to see the breakthrough. It was the next generation that took the breakthrough. But you need to understand that God's seed is working no matter what. How about parents that are still praying for their kids? Some of you here today are praying for your children. You're praying for your parents. You're praying for someone to be saved. You need to understand that those prayers are effective. The seed is effective. You may not see the results when you want. Okay? I know of people that, are, that have seen their uh, children saved or, and other people have never seen their children saved and they got saved after they die. But you know what? Your prayers are effective. Keep praying. We reap what we sow in the positive sense. We need to keep that in mind. 
It is, we don't always see what's going on, but what we put into the ground is what's going to come up. We do the work of God, we're going to have the work of God in our lives. And God still wants to use us. You can say the Word of God is going to accomplish things on, our, on its own, but we have the pl- advantage and plus of being the ones who carry the seed to people that are in need. So yes, the Word of God is the one that handles things. You don't ever get to say, I saved this many people. It really bothers me when a, church, when a pastor says, I've had this many people saved because of me. And I want to respond, you've had this many saved because of you, but you've been the one who's brought the seed, and people have been saved, and glory to God for that, and I'll, and I'll rejoice with you, but nobody's been saved because of us. Our success does not depend on our great talents, but what God does with them. We need to be open to use our talents, to use our gifts, but understand everything's going to be accomplished because of what he does. And lastly, we just need to be patient, like I said. We need to keep that patient faith with God. Something is happening. The farmer finally gets to, in the parable here, finally gets to harvest the grain. And he doesn't know what happened before the grain happened. He doesn't know that what maybe somebody else came before him and put fertilizer in that spot. Maybe somebody came before him and, and tilled that just right. And he's just the one who gets the result of it. But we need to understand that we need to be patient with God, patient with what's going on in our life, and understand that God is at work no matter what we think. Why don't you stand with me right now? If our prayer ministers could come forward. If you're here today and you've never accepted Christ, you've never made Him the master of your life, you've never asked Him to forgive you for your sins. Everybody here has sinned. Everybody, everybody. There's not one of us who are without sin. So what we need to understand is that we need forgiveness for that sin. And once we are forgiven, the Bible says we are declared righteous and we are followers of God. And we become, and He comes into us and makes us new. And we become disciples of Him. And we become part of the kingdom of God. And we start to see our lives matter. We start to see our lives grow in Him. If you want to make that commitment today, come and see one of our prayer ministers. But for the rest of you, I want to challenge you today on these points. Let's understand that God is at work. And let's look where God is at work. Let's open our eyes this week and see what God is doing in the lives of people. Sometimes you're shocked um, just to see, talk to somebody, say, tell me your story. Go talk to somebody who's been a Christian for a long time. And you go and talk to them and they start with, well, back when I was in prison, and you kind of look at them like, uh, stop, go back to that. Now you're like our Sunday school teacher, you know. Um, Or back when I used to be an alcoholic, or back when I, God has done miraculous things. God has done things that you you don't see. God works through people. You look around, you say, well, that person's never had any problems. I've had so many people tell me that you're a pastor. You've never had any problems in your life. I told them I was unaware of that and still unaware of that. Well, you've never struggled with sin or anything like that. Again, unaware of that. But let's be patient and understand that God wants to do great things through you. God wants to see people in your workplace saved. God wants to see your life transformed. Let's be patient And understand that God is at work in your life. God is at work in this world. God is at work outside these doors right now. 
The Spirit of God is in the city of Bemidji. And he wants to seek, he is seeking and saving those who could be saved. And he wants to use us to be harvesters. That's pretty exciting. Because we get the good part. God does all the work, really. We just get the good part. And if, and if we're mocked for what we bring, we realize the fact that Jesus was mocked. The disciples were mocked. But we need to understand the kingdom of God is at hand. Let's go and live like it's really at hand. And let's all, also bring it to people that are hurting. Bring it, pray for people in your office. Pray for people at your school. Pray for your neighbors. When they know you, pray for them even harder. Lord, I thank you today for the kingdom of God. I thank you, God, that we cannot always see what is going on. Lord, that, but you will be revealed. We thank you, God, that you are making the way for us. And God, we, we know that things are happening when we can't see it. We know that it's not the way that we want it to be. And sometimes we have to unlearn everything that we know. But God, make us attentive to your will. Make us attentive to what you are going on. And God, when we are tuned into you, we're going to see so much of what you're doing in this world. And God, help us see. Help us have wisdom. Help us have understanding, God. Help us to be like the disciples that, that went around Jesus and said, explain to us what is going on so we can be better followers of you. We ask this now in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. We have our prayer ministers available. Otherwise, you are dismissed.